you smell that in the air, ladies and gentlemen, it's the smell of hockey season. It's fast approaching. Training camp's about to begin. Preseason games are about to happen. Who really cares about those? It's just fighting for spots as fans. It doesn't matter. What matters is that we are a couple of weeks away from the start of the regular season, which means it's time to our for our way too early season predictions about where we think all the chips are going to fall. And this week, we're going to talk about one of the most stacked divisions in all of hockey. Episode 334 of the Lace Them Up podcast starts right now. And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. And uh, the Atlantic Division, Brett, uh, we know it very well because both our teams play in it, and uh, it looks like it's going to be as chaotic as ever. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it's kind of funny because uh, like football season started yesterday or last week, um, and yeah. I'm like, you know, it just it gets you casually excited, or like I get excited every Sunday or whenever there's a night game on Thursday or Monday. Um, and it's like, and then I like almost forget like, oh, wait a second, hockey starts pretty soon too. So it's like pretty soon it's going to be like, I get pretty excited for the football season. I don't know about you. It, it, it yes. sounds like September, October, November is yeah. like, it's the golden arc of sports because you have football, right. then hockey's back, then basketball is yeah. slowly getting back into things. Right. And then you have World Series baseball right. where every game is magnified. Well, yeah, yeah, but, like, you know, it's, like, I, I just, like, I, I guess you just forget that feeling um, in the summer. I mean, I, I guess there was baseball, and we did have the World Juniors, but, um, and it was also, like, hockey ended a little bit later than it usually does, so we had more hockey to look forward to in the summer, but, yeah, for the most part, it's just, like, oh, right, like, I watch sports all the time, <laughs> and it, it's just... It's just nice to just to have sports be back. Um, so uh, yeah, so we're gonna do uh, our season previews now, which is very exciting. Um, so we're gonna start off with the Atlantic Division, as Steve alluded to in the lead-in. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of exciting. Um, so we'll do for each. We'll cover each team alphabetically. I know. Um, uh, so you can guess that Boston is our first team that we're going to talk about. That's just pure coincidence. It's n- nothing to do with the fact that I'm a Bruins yeah. fan. Not staged at all. Yeah, ex- exactly. Not planned at all. Um, it is interesting, though. Like, we should, I think we should, maybe, like, next year we do, like, I don't know. Um, like, we start with the Pacific or we just start with a random division. Um, but... But yeah, anyways, so we have, so I have the Bruins. So for each team, we're going to just talk about who they added, who they lost, how they look this year, um, or how we think they're generally going to look this year. Um, and um, and then uh, we each are assigned a players to watch and we'll go every other. Also, coincidentally, it goes where I get the Bruins players to watch and Steve gets Ottawa's players to watch. It just worked out that way. Only fitting. Oh, only fitting, exactly. It's uh, it's like, yeah, exactly. Fitting's the way to go. It's just... Anyways, 
Um, so yeah, we're going to start off with the Bruins. Um, and uh, so the first thing, uh, the, the Bruins added David Krejci uh, after a year away from from Chech, uh, from the NHL. Um, so that was nice to see. Uh, Pavel Zaka as well. And then they added Keith Kincaid as well. So not a whole lot. I mean, yeah, Krejci and Zaka are big um, additions for sure, but um, but not like a ton that like you know to make a ton of noise. Um, in terms of who they lost, um, Eric Halla, uh Curtis Lazar, and Josh Brown. Uh, not huge losses, I guess. Eric Halla will probably be a, a big loss, but at the same time, if you insert David Krejci, Pavel Zaka can play some center as well. So it's not a huge, it's a, not a huge loss. Um, and yeah, so also to, to mention that um, Marshawn's going to be out for most of the year. Same with Carlo and McAvoy for half of the year. Uh, Mike Riley, I think, is also going um, is to, is on IR. So um, this will be one of those things where it kind of reminds me of like the Islanders where of last year where it, like it took a while for like the first half is just going to be a struggle because they had different things going on um and um and then uh they'll make it you know they'll, they'll make it a a point in the in the second half uh once they get uh especially once they get Marshawn and McAvoy back but once those two are back it's going to be the question of are they going to be back to what we expect them to be um, and that's that's going to be the biggest question from this Bruins team. Um, as as for the player to watch, um, it is going to be interesting to see David Krejci and seeing what he can do. But I'm actually going to go with uh, Pavel Zaka, um, believe it or not, um, because yeah, I, I feel like he's just been this like underrated guy. Um, he was the uh, 2015. A six round, six overall pick. So before the Bruins flubbed that draft, Zaka was already taken, um, and yeah, he has been. And like the 2015 picks, he kind of had a pretty disappointing uh, career with with the Devils. However, this past year, um, he did have 36 points in 70 games. I mean, yeah, that's not great uh, per se. Um, but uh, but he also had that that was in seventy points, so that's like roughly half a point per game, which isn't bad, especially now when Brad Marchand's going to be um, as we mentioned, Brad Marchand's not going to be playing uh, for about half roughly half of the season, um, and uh, Jake DeBrusque plays on the right wing. Usually, and so the only like left winger that Zaka's going to really compete with is um, is Taylor Hall, um, and it looks like uh, Taylor Hall is going to be on with David Krejci and David Pasternak, which means that I would imagine Zaka will be with Bergeron on the front line and be that guy to um, replace Brad Marchand. So I'm I'm going to be curious to see how they handle. Pavel Zaka, like, even, like, once, like, when Marshawn is gone versus when 
Azaka comes back and like you know and when Marshawn comes back it's like okay he's going to be on Bergeron, Bergeron's line uh, again which is nice to see but then it's like what do you do with Zaka um so I am curious to see what they do uh Zaka can also play some center um he's actually decent on the face-off dot um so that is a- another option where um where like let's say Jackson Nicka doesn't uh, live up to like isn't good anymore on the center line or uh, something's going on with Charlie Coyle like you know you could just in, input Pavel Zaka onto the center uh, of it and, and see how it goes the other thing that's kind of cool to, with um, Zaka is he's he's 25 years old so that's not like old it's not really young either but he's also from Czech Republic It'd be cool, like, and of course, uh, David Pasternak um, and David Krejci are both uh, from Chechia as well. So it would be kind of cool just to, like, I I really want to see a checkmate line, but it looks like they're going to put Hall as that third counterpart with Krejci and Pasternak, which, oddly enough, I do look forward to that line the most just because Hall and Krejci really, really had some great chemistry together, and we know that Krejci and Pasternak had great chemistry together. Um, so that's going to be an exciting line. But, um, but yeah, I, I am like I feel like Zaka's like the true wild card in this, because he's going to be this X, X factor, because we're, we're going to need someone to replace Marshawn's productivity when he's gone. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with Zaka. I would also like to say Trent Frederick. It would be nice to yeah. see him get to a 40-point caliber player. And I say that because Brad Marchand, and I've said it many times, was that type of pest that had the offensive potential but didn't really show it. And I'm not going to say that Trent Frederick is the next Brad Marchand yeah. he's getting like 80 to 90 points a year. But I would like to see him get more ice time, more chances to excel offensively. And if he can be a solid guy that you alternate in the second or third line and maybe he gets like 40 to 50 points, that's still a good solid player you can use. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's I, true. I, I definitely want to see more regularity uh, in Trent Frederick's repertoire. Um, ultimately, I think the worst thing for Boston is a slow start because of the injuries that you mentioned. Brad Marchand, I think... Is Brandon Carlo going to be missing some time? I, I, uh, I think uh, I think so. Yeah. I know for sure Marshawn McAvoy. Um, they they were slated. No, oh no, no, it's it's uh, Carlo's not out. It's uh, Grizzlick, McAvoy, and and Mike Riley um, as well. Right. Yeah. So the defense is already banged up. You yeah. got your best offensive player who had eighty points in seventy games last year out yeah. of the picture for a significant chunk to the start of the year. Honestly, if the Bruins struggle in the first 20 games, I'm not counting them out, but when you yeah. consider what's at stake with the Pasternak talks, and that will probably linger, uh, as, and it'll probably linger even more if the team is struggling. Yeah. Honestly, if you struggle in the first 20 games, um, it could be curtains for the Bruins. It might be too tough to recover from, largely because there is actual formidable opponents waiting to knock them down a peg. Yeah. And by that, I mean Ottawa and Detroit. They weren't threats last year. That and has Buffalo. changed. Yeah. Yeah, I, Buffalo, I suppose, but I mean, yeah, yeah also no. I, I'm not going to say curtains 
just yet. I, I mean, I am biased, of course, but um, also, like, yes, I agree with you that in this division, uh, the biggest threats are Toronto, Tampa Bay, and Florida. Those three teams should be pretty good, obviously. Um, and yeah, Buffalo. Had, the reason why I mentioned Buffalo is because they're they're gonna be pretty good, um, I think. Um, or like you know they, they they were really hot in the second half at least. Ottawa has some promise, of course, as we've mentioned. Detroit could could make some moves. Um, and yeah, who knows with Montreal too under Martin Saint Louis. Um, but of those four teams, those have also a lot of question marks too uh so like you know me even if like let's say ottawa does get off to a hot start i don't know if that's necessarily like an indication that they're gonna keep it that way um yeah you know uh in that lead so i i would i would just caution with it well like obviously if like (laughs) the bruins lose their first 20 games then yes i i would agree but, uh, but I, I, I don't think it's going to be, like, so, so bad where it's, like, they, they can't come back from it. Um, yeah, I, I suppose it's, it's too early to determine yeah. that. Um, I just don't get that same feeling as I did in the previous year. And, and, That's fair. And, again, we've mentioned a new coaching system just adds to it. Yeah. If, if this was injuries and they didn't change coaches and they still had Cassidy, I think I'd be a bit more confident. But now that you have a new coach with a new vision uh, that might differ from Cassidy's a little bit, yeah, um, line combinations to figure out that that just adds to the series of questions that I have about this team. Yeah, I mean that's other age part. That that that's totally completely fair. Um, I get that concern. Like that would be the reason why the Bruins would fall off. Um, but, um, oh wow, Cooper Cup just made an incredible touchdown. Sorry. Anyways. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, um, yeah, no, I totally get what you're saying. I, I just don't know, like, I would, I would still caution it just a little, uh, just cause it's like, I, I feel like the Bruins are like, so it's like the three, the two Florida teams in Toronto are like top tier. Then you have the Bruins. And then I think... You still have, like, Ottawa, Detroit, Buffalo, I think, are still, like, just a tier below Boston. Um, but, like, you know, they could move up in the tier if they, they do well, um, obviously. And then Montreal's um, on the lower t- lowest tier. Um, but I, I think the other thing to consider is also about the Metro teams. Yeah. Because I, I, I have no disrespect to your Bruins. There's no way in hell they're finishing top three this year, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, 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 and not to jump the boat or anything, or to, to jump the gun, but it's like the realistic uh, opportunity for the Bruins to have. And this was a Bruins team that got over 100 points. Every team in the East got 100 points. Yeah. And they were still a wild card team. The other thing you have to consider is who's in the hunt in the Metro. That's yeah. the other question. True, true. Tip. No, that's a good point. Yeah, no, I, 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 I never, like, I, like, I, I don't think, and I agree with you, I don't think, like, even with, a healthy Marshawn, McAvoy, and Grizzlick. Yeah, I think th- th- it will be a struggle for the Bruins to get to that top three po- uh, point, even with everyone healthy. Uh, but so I agree with you there. But I, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily like count them out um, at the same yeah. time. Um, okay, uh, so we now go to the Buffalo Sabers. Uh, they added Riley Sheehan, Jonathan Davies. 
uh, Labushkin, um, Eric Comrie. A lot of these guys I didn't even realize they added. Uh, Kale Clegg and Chase Prisky. Um, they lost Colin Miller, Will Butcher, Cody Eakin, Fisisic. Uh, um, <laughs> P. I, I definitely Mark Pisic. Mark Pisic. Is it Pisic? Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you were into Pokemon, but it reminds me of a Psyduck, uh, where it has like a weird, <laughs> yeah. weird spelling of that. Um, he, he's the guy who, took, who copied Joe Thornton and signed his contract on a lawnmower. Right, 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 yeah. Uh, Drake Kajula, um, that's another one that's hard to pronounce, too. Uh, Tukarski, uh Mark Jankowski, Aaron Dell, and Christian Wolonin are also all lost. So not like a whole people that are like, that you're going to add, but you also uh, don't do that. But um, yeah, they, as I mentioned before, uh, the the Sabres actually had a decent uh, first, the second half. Um, it just was like too much to um, to grab um, or too much like in the way when they were like that they just couldn't reach to the playoffs at that point once they really got going. Uh, they should have a, a Tage Thompson. We'll see how he does. And then also Owen Power. Um, um, is someone who's, who should make the team and should make an impact right away. So, Steve, who is your player to watch from the Buffalo Sabres? So, I will give an honorable mention to Jack Quinn because I'm interested okay. to see just on his development what happens, but yeah. my player to watch is Peyton Krebs okay. because there were various points when, after the Jack Eichel trade, he was up and down the Myers a little bit, but that game against Vegas in particular when Jack Eichel came back, and a couple of games after that, he looked very, very good. He established his presence, the presence on the ice. He was hitting guys. He was getting shots on goal. And while 22 points, 48 games, and a minus 20 might not seem too good, keep in mind that uh, he had 10 power play points, all assists. He only took 46 shots on goal. So those seven goals on 46 shots, that's a 15.2 shooting percentage. He played just under 15 minutes a game last year. And also he was on the Buffalo Sabres with a lot of young talent, a lot of promise, mind you, but a lot of young talent, a very inexperienced team. I think he could take another big step forward and I'm really glued to my TV set. Um, if the second line holds true, Peyton Krebs is currently listed um, as of July 13th, mind you, but Peyton Krebs currently listed on the second line left side with Alex Tuck on the right side, who uh, played well after coming over from Vegas in the Jack Eichel trade as well, and Casey Milstad centering that line. I can definitely see Peyton Krebs emerging as a solid second line presence. Um, I And you know what, if uh, Jeff Skinner struggles, maybe you see him on the first line too. Right, uh, but yeah, if, if I had to pick one guy that I'm consistently watching throughout the year on this team, it's without a doubt Peyton Krebs. Yeah, he should be interesting too. I I also would be. I'm wondering if Alex Tuck also ended up getting going uh, too. Uh, he's yeah, you know, he another guy um, in that Jack Eichel trade. Um, so he's an interesting guy. Yeah, um, and and Tage Thompson. I am curious to see if he can replicate what he got. Um, or what he did last year as well. So uh, that, yeah, that's Yeah, 38 points in 50 games for Tuck, only a minus three as well. So yeah. 
on both sides of the ice, he was looking pretty good, and that's with little power play production as well. I, I will also say I am intrigued by the fact that you have Rasmus Dahlin on one line, or one pair, and then you have Owen Power on the other. It's like, I mean, they were both first overall picks, so I am, this will be the first year where it's like, you know, okay, we'll, we'll see like what that first, the, the two first overall picks on this team can do. Um, and that should be intriguing to see. Um, also, I guess on, on that note, uh, even though they weren't first overall picks, but they were drafted in the top 10, I am curious to see how Dylan Cousins and Casey Middlestead do. Um, yeah, with another year. There, there's a lot of youth movements yeah. on the Sabres that are, that are worth salivating over yeah. at this point. Um, yeah. Especially Owen Power, when you... Uh, I, I don't necessarily think they're going to rush him right away. I think he's wise to spend a full year in Rochester like Jack Quinn did, and Jack Quinn was one of the league's top scorers. So uh, yeah. I think that was a decision that turned out pretty well. But yeah, wherever Owen Power is comfortable, I just keep him there. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, that that's totally true. I, I guess they could theoretically, like you know, maybe even put him in Rochester for a year. But I don't think they're going like it, like let's say he starts to struggle. But I don't know. I think there is something to the fact of like, oh, okay, he could be he could be pretty interesting, or he could be good right right away. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting too, just from the standpoint of they trade Jack Eichel. Um, and then, you know, you, you then because the Sabres have been so bad for so long, it's like they still have a lot of players with high draft pedigree to look forward to um, if you're a Sabres fan. So it's like it, it, like the Sabres could could sneakily surprise people this year. Um, yeah, well, the interesting, the interesting yeah. thing about the Sabres, just to wrap up here, Brad, sure. um, Owen Power in the eight games that he played was a plus three. Yeah. That's actually tops on the Sabres last year. The yeah, guy yeah. in second was Mark Jankowski, who was a plus two in 19 games. Basically, every key player on Buffalo was a minus. That's the bad news. The good news is the highest was Rasmus Dahlin, and he was only a minus 22. Yeah. So I would say things are on the up and up, but still, it, it just goes to show you while Buffalo might be slowly improving, um, they're not at the level where they're threatening to do so. Right, 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 right. Um, they're putting the league on notice now as a just-you-wait type of thing. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I would still, like... Like, I wouldn't be shocked if, like, this the Sabres make a wild... Get a wild-card spot or something. I, it, it would be one hell of a story if they did, let's yeah, say that. I, I, yeah, of course. One hell of a course. story, and Craig Anderson is the guy leading the charge in that, too. I would yeah, yeah I guess that's a fair point. If if they are going to make the playoffs, I'm not sure if Craig, Craig Anderson's going to be the guy. But um, <laughs> but I, I am intrigued by this this uh, by this by team, though, because it seems like they have a couple of good players. On, on yeah, they're worth so, watching, at least, yeah, which is exactly. something that we really couldn't say a couple of years ago. I yeah, think. totally fair. Um all right, uh, let's go with the next team here in the Detroit Red Wings. Um, and they, they actually sneakily made a lot of, a lot of decent moves here. Uh, they added Andrew Kopp, David Perron, Philly Huso, uh, Dominic Kubelik, uh, Ben Sherratt, Olimata, Robert Haig, um, Mark Pissick, uh, Matt Luff, and uh, Austin Zarnick, 
um, in terms of guys they lost were uh, Danny DeKaiser, Mark Stahl, uh, Thomas Grease, Sam Gagne, Oli Ulevi, and Calvin Picard. So they didn't really lose a lot of people, but they did gain Andrew Kopp and David Perron. Um, they also, of course, they have the Calder winner in Moritz Sider. Um, they also have um, uh, Lucas Raymond, who, who had a hot first half, but not a great second half. But even still, he finished with 57 points in 82 games. That's pretty good. Um, in terms of, um, I mean, the thing, the, the question, the big question mark for Detroit is their goaltending situation. Um, they do, they do add Billy Huso, um, who should help the, uh, Alex Ndelkovich out, but, you know, this, this could be a similar type of thing where, like, this is the second year in a row where they grab a goaltender who had a pretty decent, a uh, season, uh, before, but then you just bring him into a new culture, a new team, uh, and who's like defense is far worse than uh, Carolina's and St. Louis's. So it's like it's going to be curious to see how they do. In terms of guys, I am interested in. Um, it, well, I am curious, like if. I guess I won't say that he's a player to watch because I'm not necessarily sure if he's going to make the team um, right away, uh, but I would say Simon Edvidson because he does have that similar like pedigree to Mort Sider, so it would be like, imagine Mort Sider and how in awe we were of him, and then you add, like, who ha you, you get a guy like Simon Edvidson, who, um, who is also equally impressive um, in Sweden. Uh, where he had like 19 points in 44 games, um, I mean that's that's not like you just that's like a professional league, and he's a 19 year old, so that that's pretty crazy. But I'm not necessarily sure he's going to make the team. So instead, um, I'm going to go with Andrew Kopp um, because he he actually had uh, so he was he played for Winnipeg and the Rangers last year. Um, he was also like a big reason why the Rangers made it to the the semifinals, um, or sorry, the conference finals um, last year. But uh, where he had 18 points in 16 games. Uh, wait, no, wait, no, that that can't be right. Uh, hold on. Okay, play uh, playoff points. He had 14 points in 20 games, which is pretty decent. But in the it's regular, you know, he was a bit banged up during that run yeah. too. So fourteen points in twenty games, all things considered, that's yeah. still pretty good. But the reason why I got confused was because I was looking at his regular season stats for the Rangers, which are still pretty good. Yeah, or even better. Yeah, eight, 18 points in sixteen games, so more than a point per game. I don't think he's going to be a. He's not a point per game player um, in real life, but he is decent um he did end up so if you combined his stats that he had for Winnipeg and the Rangers uh he ended up with 53 points in 72 games uh he's also like a selkie uh he finished 24th in selkie votes according to hockey references so thank you hockey references there um but yeah I I am like uh, so according to Cap Friendly they have Andrew Kopp as that second line center um which is kind of interesting. I, I do wonder, because like Detroit pretty much only has Dylan Larkin as their only really good center, um, so like it would be curious just to see how Andrew Kopp 
does in this second line center. He wasn't the second line center for New York. He wasn't the second line center for Winnipeg. Who's more of a winger. So I am curious just to see how they, they once they move him to center, what he does. Because if, he, if Andrew Kopp doesn't work for Detroit uh, as a center, it's like, I guess they have Hugh Suter and Michael Rasmussen. They don't really have any prospects in terms of centers uh, that could easily, uh, like, you know, be called up even still. So... Yeah, I would just be curious just to see how how Andrew Kopp does as a center because um, I I don't know I, I I think he he could he could be like a fifty or sixty point guy um, and if you're getting that, that that's pretty good. Yeah, the whole second line is very intriguing for Detroit because yeah. you look at Jacob Verena um, who didn't start off the season too well mostly because he missed like the first three to four months due to injury uh but in the limited action that uh, he did play he finished uh 12th in team scoring with 19 points he only played in 26 games and of those 19 points 13 were goals so that means once every two games this guy would get on the scoreboard with a goal and uh, five of those uh, 13 goals were on the power play as well. Three of them ended up being game winners, so a bit of a clutch gene there. Only took 65 shots, which brings him to a shooting percentage of 20, and he only averaged 14.56 per game. You also have uh, on the right side David Perron, who uh, over the past couple of years in St. Louis has been close to a point-a-game player, if not just above that. If he continues that outside of St. Louis, which has always been the question mark is, okay, in markets like Edmonton or Pittsburgh or Anaheim or wherever he goes, outside of St. Louis, what version of David Perron are you going to get? Is the David Perron from the last few years in St. Louis able to do what he's done in St. Louis in another market? And I think he certainly can with with the likes of Verena, with the likes of Andrew Kopp coming off a big year. I think that second line's ready to explode, and that would be a best-case scenario for the Red Wings because that first line is already chock full of talent with the likes of Tyler Bertuzzi and Dylan Larkin, both of whom are free agents. That will be a big story, too. But they also have, as you mentioned, Lucas Raymond, who had a monster first half for Detroit last year. You get that second line going, and all of a sudden you've got a twin-killing attack that can burn you in several different ways. And they might need that second line if uh, their defense is uh, still struggling to keep pucks out of the net. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. Um, okay, uh, so now we we talk about Florida here. Uh, of course, they won the President's Trophy. Uh, they also added Matt Kachuk, uh, Colin White, Rudolph Balsers, Nick Cousins, Mark Stahl. Um, so I guess, like, just by reading this out, it's like I, a lot of, like, divisional uh, interplay here. Um, Mark Stahl, Michael Delzato, uh, Batetto, is that right? Chris Tierney. Anthony Batetto, yeah. Uh, Chris Tierney and Alex Lyon. Um, in terms of guys they lost, uh, Claude Giroux. Uh, yeah, I guess that's another guy who's going to an Atlanta team. Jonathan Huberdo, Mackenzie Wegar, uh, Ben Sherratt, uh, Mason Marchment, Robert Haig, um, yeah, a, a lot of these guys. Uh, Marcus Nutavera, Nola Chari, and Joe Thornton. Um, and 
and then you write here, so many first-round picks. Uh, yeah, because they gave up a lot between yeah. the trade deadline and the Matthew Kachuk right. trade. Um, they they really yeah. just mortgaged their future, basically, yeah. for the fact that they're very confident in this core and they're going all in. And, and to be fair, they also, like, the, the Sam Reinhardt D, uh, trade last year, uh, yeah. also they, they gave up the first round there. Um, yeah. I think I, but they, it, it's worked out yeah. for them nicely. Sam yeah. Reinhardt had mastered. And also, like, that Claude Giroux trade, uh, they, they lost the first-round pick, so it wasn't just this offseason, too. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, this this Florida team, it, it will be interesting to see how they, like, build on this past season. I, I am curious because usually, like, when teams have this hot start, like, I imagine, like, if you remember the Washington Capitals before they won the Cup where they – like just start like they go balls to the wall in the regular season and then um and then they just start to um and then they plummet and and get fatigue in the postseason so i wonder if like now that florida has some regular season success i wonder what they're going to do with um this new this new team or just this like you know maybe they they don't take it as uh, they do, they don't have as high energy um, in the regular season, but they they start to like really pick it up in the playoffs. I wonder if that's just something that they, that's on their mind. Oh, and also uh, they speaking of which, because uh, they got swept by the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, Andrew Burnett is no long not brought back, and Paul Maurice is now the coach. So. That is something also to to uh, keep in mind. Um, I, it, I mean, we've talked about this over um, like the last couple of episodes, but I I don't know if necessarily like it's like you you do lose Jonathan Huberdeau, and but you gain Matthew Kachuk. I'm not sure if that's like too much of a loss. Like, yeah, it's gonna hurt not having uh, Huberdeau there. Um, it's going to be weird seeing him in a Calgary Flames jersey just because you're so used to seeing him in Florida. But at the same time, I, I feel like, you, you know, you're getting a little ball of hate. Um, I, I guess I shouldn't use that nickname, especially as a Bruins fan. But uh, you're getting a, a ball of energy, I'll say that, um, in Matthew Kachuk. And uh, I feel like he's going to be a fan favorite in Florida. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I think there's a lot of upside there. I think the playmaking abilities of Huberto are, are what's are what is what is the main thing that Florida is going to have to overcome, and also losing a, a big piece of the defense of McKenzie Weger. Uh, but they have enough forward depth and defensive depth where if the main guys are able to pull their socks up and not skip a beat and make the guys around them better. Um, maybe you won't get an offense that's offensively gifted as last year's team was, but you're definitely going to get a powerful enough offense to, to put wins on the board, and that's ultimately what they need. Yeah, so who is your player to watch? My player to watch, man, I, there are so many options. Uh, Anthony Duclair being out for the first little bit yeah. uh, is going to uh, kind of put a wrench into their plans, and a lot of guys are going to have to step up. They brought in depth guys like Nick Cousins, as you mentioned, Rudolph Balsers, and Colin White. And part of the characteristics that uh, made Florida so good is you had guys like Mason Marchman, 
who uh, who ended up getting 47 points in 54 games. Um, you have Brandon Montour, 11 goals and 37 points on the blue line when, <laughs> as Nazem Kadri once called him, a useless defenseman on a very crappy team. <laughs> He's coming off a 37-point season, so uh, they need that to, to continue. Also, Gustav Forsling, 37 points and a plus 41 last year. I'm going to go with Anton Lundell, though. And the reason I say that is because if you want a guy with playmaking abilities that can also put the puck in the net, this guy fits that mold. He's expected to be a second or third line center this year. Um, he's probably going to be playing with the likes of Balsers and Cousins and Colin White and Sam Bennett. And you need good quality secondary scoring and you need a good playmaker. This guy is going to be expected to take another big step for the Panthers. So that's why I have him as my player to watch on this game. It's funny. I was actually, if you weren't going to mention Anton Lindell, I was going to mention Anton Lindell. So. Yeah, it, it, it was, it's the mind-reading thing. I was yeah, about I to say so. Andrew Kopp if, if I had Detroit's Oh, interesting, interesting yeah. Before I said it, yeah. This is, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> this is another level. Like, once again. This is another level, like, where... Yeah. We're like, yeah, it's, we're like, we have ESP, maybe. Um, it's like we draft the same fantasy hockey team. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I mean, I, I think it just shows that we've been doing this for so long. It's like, we, I yeah, know. Yeah, we just read each other's minds. Yeah, we, I, this is our seventh year, I think. So it's yeah, insane. Seventh, uh, yeah, seventh year, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah as crazy as that is. Um, so it's like, I guess maybe we just... You just know each other, uh, you know, it's yeah, not by accident. If you've been here this long, respect. Because, yeah. Uh, we, yeah. we record long ass episodes and you yeah. still enjoy it. Exactly, exactly. Hopefully, people. Uh, <laughs> I, would hope. Yeah. I would hope. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, in terms of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Florida, I guess so. Uh, yeah, I expect big things out of Anton Lundell. Also, I, th- I do want to shout out Sam Reinhardt. He's also like another guy where. Um, like last year he didn't have a like he was on the third line but he plays like he's a first liner um so it's like he could be another x-factor guy for for them um all right in terms of the next team we have here is the montreal Canadiens, um and yes i am covering them so sean monahan is added uh michael matheson is it michael matheson I think it is, yeah. Yeah, Mike Matheson. Mike Matheson. Right. Um, then you have Kirby Doc, uh, Evgeny Dadanoff, and possibly Slavkovsky will play, but, I mean, you just have him here, but I, I don't know if he'll necessarily play like uh, we would expect Shane Wright to play, but, um, but yeah, uh, Slavkovsky is added here, or you have him as here. Just a little behind the curtains here, Steve wrote up the ads and loss, um, and I, I'm just reading them. Um, in terms of guys they lost, Jeff Petri, uh, Ryan Poiling, uh, Alex Romanoff, Shea Weber, uh, although Shea Weber is probably not going to play again, so uh, I guess that's like a whatever. Uh, Shea, uh, Ty Pitlick. Yeah, his contract was dipped either way, so on the yeah. off chance he comes back, he's not there. Right, right, right. But I, I don't think he's going back. Um, then you have Ty Pitlick, Matt Perot, Seti Paquette. I don't even... I feel like you're just making up these names. <laughs> what the hell? Um, and no, Cedric Paquette. Yeah, he was there. 
You said SEDDY, C E D D Y. I don't know. Yeah, I, short, short for Cedric. Is that like people call him SEDDY Paquette? I guess so. Oh, that's what I call him. Okay. Uh, all right, whatever. Um, and then Andrew Hammond, the Hamburglar. Uh, yeah, so we, we talked about this last year. Uh, Carey Price is not going to, or last last week, not last year. Uh, Carey Price is on LTIR for the entire season. Um, he's another guy like Shea Weber, who's probably we probably seen the, like we'll never see them again, but hopefully that we do. Uh, Martin St. Louis um, also it says here extended on a multi-year deal as a head coach, um, which is cool. Um, in terms of, like, you know, I, I think of these eight teams, like, you know, I, I, I think we mentioned this before, that, like, uh, Tampa, Toronto, and Florida are the top teams in this division. Uh, Boston, Buffalo, Detroit, and Ottawa could make some noise, maybe if things go right, um, but they have some question marks. But Montreal, like, yeah, they should be better, uh, especially because they started to play really well once Martin St. Louis was in. But even still, Martin St. Louis had a losing record. Um, and even if Montreal, like, does decide to compete, they're, like, they don't have a, like, Jake Allen. I don't know if you can really trust him um, as a goaltender. So I think, like, this is the, the year, like, the, if... If any team is going to get the top three picks in this this year's draft, it's Montreal by far. Um, and um, yeah, so we'll see about that, which would be kind of insane when you think about it, because they already drafted Yuraj uh, Slavkovsky. Um, but anyways, um, in terms like I, I I am intrigued by like a couple of these players like I am intrigued to see if Sean Monahan can bounce back or Kirby Doc can bounce back or Jonathan Duran can bounce back but the guy I'm actually going to talk about is Cole Caulfield um and uh so as I mentioned like once Mar like when Marty St. Louis played uh like was in the uh took over um Montreal was in dead last, and we just wanted to see what St. Louis could do. It was a little bit of an odd choice, but you could kind of understand it. But I think a couple of us were just thinking, like, okay, like, he was a short guy who played, um, you know, he was, like, who who's a Hall of Famer. He kind of does the blueprint of how to make it as a short player in the NHL, and... Meanwhile, you have Cole Caulfield, who's, I think, around the same height as Marty St. Louis. And uh, so you, you just know that, like, that was a big reason why they got uh, Marty St. Louis was he's going to be the guy that they can train Caulfield to be the guy as well. And by God, did it work because uh, he ended up, Caulfield ended up the last three months um, he had 35 points. Um, I think that's pretty good in 28 games, uh, which I guess is, if I'm doing my math right, which I am because I'm using a calculator, uh, that's 1.25 uh, points per game. Um, so, so that's that's pretty good. And not only that, but like Caulfield 
struggled the entire, like, you know, he had, like, tw- uh, 13 points or something, like, I think, like, even less than 13. I, I, I can't do math that much. But, uh, like, in the f- first half of the season, um, and uh, he ended up getting, uh, finishing ninth in the Calder voting. Um, I have I mean, it's pretty much true. If, if uh, Caulfield got going for the entire season, I not only would he finish top three, he probably would have won. Um, and um, so I am curious to see how Caulfield does now that he has like a summer ahead of him. Um, you know, Martin St. Louis is the coach that they, they have. And, um, yeah, I, I think, like, Montreal really just wants to see Cole Caulfield. And he's going to be, like, the, the guy that, um, that like, if you're going to somehow watch Montreal, like, Caulfield is going to be the guy that you're going you're gonna to want to watch. Um, and as much as I hate the Montreal Canadiens, I, I don't think it's going to be, it's, like, it's impossible for me to hate Cole Caulfield. Um, so I, I am rooting for him because I, I, I guess I kind of have like a soft spot for short guys. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think this, this guy's going to be really good uh, this year. It would be really nice for Cole Caulfield to have a monster year because guess what? He's a restricted free agent at the end of the season. Yeah. So contract year for him. That's fair. Uh, I'm sure if he got a 40 goal season, uh, he could command a lot of money on his yeah. next contract, which, uh, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for Caulfield any day of the week. Yeah, in my opinion, if I, if it, it, this is totally separate from like players to watch, I go for people to watch. It's Ken Hughes, the GM. Yeah, because like this, this is the season where you start the future, where you really start to cement who's going to be a part of the future, and you get futures for whatever remaining unrestricted free agents are on your team. So yeah. getting down off five million dollar cap it, you need to get rid of cap space. He's probably gone uh, for futures uh, at the deadline or before the deadline. Yeah. You have about Jake Allen. If Carey Price isn't going to be out, I don't want the young guys getting thrown to the wolves and the team just having just a massive downgrade in morale. I need a number one goalie in that mix, or the closest thing to that. The closest thing they have. Uh, to that is Jake Allen. So up until February, I'd probably hang on to him, and then I'd probably sell him for parts of the deadline. And if he has a good season for Montreal, you can get some value there. You also have three RFA, uh, UFAs excuse me, that are currently on injured reserve. There's Sean Monahan, $6.375 million cap it. Jonathan Druin, $5.5 million cap it. Paul Byron, $3.4 million cap it. All contracts at the end of the year. See what you can get out of them. And ideally, regardless of what they do with their remaining free agents, the Habs are such a young, promising team, but they're 100% of the running for Connor Bedard at you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there's, there's, there's no debating that. There, th- this team, th- this team. If you take a look at their plus minus, right? I was mentioning how Rasmus Dahlin was a team worst minus twenty two in the Buffalo Sabers. Okay, Nick Suzuki, God bless him, sixty one points, eighty two games last year. The new captain of the Montreal Canadiens, doing his best to speak French. So I like that. He was a minus twenty nine. Cole Caulfield, minus 24. Mike Hoffman, minus 24. Josh Anderson, minus 25. Chris Weidman, minus 25. Somehow got 27 points. That's actually not bad. 
Uh, Demon Savard, minus 22. Ryan Paling now gone, minus 21. You get the point. A lot of people had very bad plus minuses on the Habs. And yeah. I don't see that changing with the defense that they have with Jeff Petrie out the door. It, they're going to continue to lose guys that this city has grown attached to. It's going to be some rough times for the fans. This is their 2018-19 Ottawa Senators type of season where you're going to be saying a lot of emotional goodbyes yeah. to players that you love. But if you look at how the Ottawa Senators have turned out over the past couple of years, in theory, the Habs could be that in a couple of years where, like I said, there's no shortage of Quebec talent that envision themselves in a Habs uniform and want to play for the Habs someday. Not just saying it's Pierre-Luc Dubois, there are a lot of other guys that would be open for that opportunity. And if the Habs show some progress over the next couple of years, you're going to see a lot of people chomping at the bit to to get this thing started, to be a part of what's, what's new and exciting in Montreal. But that's a long way away before that happens. It's at least a couple of years. Yeah. And in order for the Habs to build that foundation for a promising future, this year is important for them, and it's especially important for the GM. Yeah, I, I think, like, yeah, no, that is a good point in terms of, like, even if Jonathan Drouin or Sean Monaghan bounce back, they're probably getting traded um, by by the deadline. Um, but, uh, yeah, it will, it will be interesting to just, like, yeah, as you are saying, like, if they don't get a top three pick uh, this year, then it's a failure for them, um, for sure. Um, but you know, like you could, like there are some places like Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield, as I mentioned, are guys to look forward to. Um, yeah, at that. So like, like at least it's not all going to be bad or it's uh, like not worth watching. But uh, but yeah, I I agree. I think they're they're just they're just planning the rebuild basically. Um, all right, now we go to your Ottawa Senators. They made a lot of. They were pretty busy this offseason, you could say. Uh, they get Claude Giroux. They get also get Alex Debrincat, Cam Talbot as well, Tyler Mott, Jace Holerook, Jacob Larson, and Antoine Bibeau, I believe is his first name. Yeah. Um, and then they lose Matt Murray, Connor Brown. They, gain, uh, they also lose Philip Gustafson, uh, Chris Tierney, Colin White, Michael Delzato, Adam Gaudet, Victor Mott, uh, sorry, Victor Matei and Tyler Ennis. Um, yeah, this this will be interesting just to see how... Because, like, Ottawa wasn't, like, a terrible team either last year. Um, and they had, as you were mentioning before, is they had a pretty good first line with Brady Kachuk, Josh Norris, and Drake Batherson. Um, I am going to be curious to see how the, like... Now that they add to Brincat and Giroux... And, you know, you also get a, a better goaltender in Cam Talbot. I wonder, like, how they're, they're just going to mesh with, with those guys. Um, of course, you also have, like, Thomas Shabbat there, who should also take another step, too. So, um, yeah, I'll be curious to see how they go. Um, yeah, uh, what do you think of your, your sends? And, and uh, yeah, who's your player to watch? Again, they have a shot to do something, which is something I haven't been able to say in a couple of years. Yep. Because they were the furthest thing from a playoff team. They had potential, they had the young stars, but they were not a playoff team. Their defense showcased it. Their goaltending outside of Anton Forsberg showcased it. Their rough start 
yet again showcased it and they had some glimpses of hope of what they could become what they could be but at the moment in time they were not a playoff team and this time i think they have a shot they're they're at least knocking on the doorstep of boston for the four seed um obviously you have detroit in the mix so there's going to be a bit more competition there but at least they're in the mix that's something i wasn't able to say before um if i had to take a look at a player to watch um I, I'd probably go with Claude Giroux, uh, even though uh, we're all foreseeing Tim Stutzla. We're all looking at Alex Dabrinkit, and that being a key part of Ottawa's second line, maybe first line potentially, depending on what DJ Smith sees, the chemistry, that type of thing. But if you're looking for a guy with added veteran experience, uh, you're looking right at Claude Giroux to deliver that. Um, because... He's a guy that, unlike Brady Kachuk, has been the team captain of one team for multiple seasons. He's been to the Stanley Cup playoffs. He knows what it takes uh, to get it done, to get wins when it matters. Uh, He was a part of that 2010 Flyers run, uh, and he still has plenty of hockey left to give. Uh, Granted, not the goal scorer that he used to be, but he is a bit of that playmaker. He can assist uh, Tim Stutzla in the faceoff dot because he has experience at center, not lately because they moved him to the right wing, but he does have experience at center. After the trade to Florida, he had respectable numbers in Philly, but he was over a point a game player, 23 points in 18 games. Uh, The playoffs, uh, he was kind of silent, but mind you, a lot of people in Florida were pretty silent outside of Carter Aggie. Um, so I give him a pass for that. Um, overall, uh, you're looking at a guy that's going to be expected to lead, is excited to win with this group. Um, so how could you not be looking at Claude Giroux as the player to watch? He's going to be asked to deliver for this team right away and often. I think he can do the job. And uh, if he can, it's probably going to reflect in the standings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting, too, because he's not, like, he's on the wrong side of 30, so to speak. So um, it'll be interesting to see if he can. I mean, I can think of other players that are worse on the other side of 30, like Louis Ayers. True. I, I, I guess I'm, I I mostly mean it's just that he's, like, past his prime. But, like, he's still pretty good. Like, he had 65 points in 75 games last year. But um, Yeah, and before that, 43 yeah. points in 54 games, which isn't bad. And yeah. Um, like he's a guy that can ship in around like 20 yeah. goals um, and like even in 2017-18 he had 102 points that year so yeah, um, that, it, you know and it, obviously it, it matters with the role that he's in but um, I certainly think he can still be an effective player the other thing that I will mention is Cam Talbot is going to have to emerge as the guy. And that's no disrespect to Anton Forsberg. Anton Forsberg is going to be a huge, huge, huge part of this team, and they need to have him firing on all cylinders and being the best goaltender that he was last year. But the reason that Ottawa was not a playoff team is because outside of Anton Forsberg, they didn't get that goaltending, and that has to change. They need both sides of the tandem to be good, I, I understand that Cam Talbot, speaking of wrong side of 30, he's 35 and yeah. not getting any younger, and he's had some up and down years, but I still think he is the type of gamer, kind of like a goalie that has a Craig Anderson quality to him, where the bigger the moment, the harder he plays, he goes all out, 
and he's a good team guy, a good locker room guy. And ultimately, if you want a competitor to get the guys going, this guy can do the job. But the results need to be there. He needs to keep his team in those games with those big, timely saves. I still think he can do it, but if he can't, it's going to be more of the same what-if scenarios for the Sens. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, what's interesting is, is I'm just looking at Cap Friendly's depth chart. Um, I don't know how much you can stock you can put into it, but uh, they have Claude Giroux at the top line, and then they have Drake Batherson on the second line. Um, so I, I'm not sure what the rationale there is, but um, but yeah, that's just something to, to watch out for. I guess Drake Batherson. I'm looking at daily faceoff on on that front, not Cap Friendly. Yeah, yeah, that, that's. I mean, the season hasn't even started yet, so that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, neither. No, for sure, Who but knows? I mean, yeah. you know what? If I'm TJ Smith, I experiment. I experiment yeah. all preseason. I see what works and what doesn't work because I, me personally, I'm married to Norris, Kachuk, and Batherson. But you know what? If another combination works and gets yep. untapped potential, like a couple of unlocked achievements that we hadn't seen in the sense before. And if Claude Drew is the number one center in that, put him as the number one center. You're yep. expected to win now. Yeah. So the time for, for DJ Smith to experiment is during the preseason. And I'm totally fine with Claude Drew being experimented as the number one center if they think that's something that could work. Especially with the Hockey Canada stuff and Drake Batherson is involved with that. So, um, so yeah, that... If he's involved with that and there's also Alex Foreman's in there who, oh, yeah, by Formans the way, is an, is an unsigned RFA. I mean, the longer he's unsigned, the more yeah. concerned he might be involved in it but again there's there's a yeah of the, the reason why i think drake batherson might be involved is just because he hasn't put out a statement i know that's not like a uh like a testifying thing or like like um or like the the, the biggest witness but it is a little odd yeah some, sometimes silence speaks volumes though yeah. you're not wrong but um until the testimony starts yeah. to, to pour in from the players uh I'm not really going to say much on that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to let things play itself out. But, but yeah. It, it, that is something to be concerning about as, as a sense fan as the season progresses. If that bombshell drops and Batherson is, in fact, involved in that, uh, that presents a sticky situation for Pierre Dorian, right. for sure. Yeah, and going back to actual hockey stuff, um, uh, the, the your point about, like, changing the lines, yeah, that, that is a good point, too. It's just, like... Um, like I, I didn't think that like breaking up the the Pasternak Bergeron Marchand line was going to work, but uh, last year Pasternak they broke them up and Pasternak and Marchand and Bergeron all still played really well. Um, so it's like sometimes if like let's say things aren't going well for that top line, yeah, you switch things up and you uh, see what goes on. Uh, that is kind of but like the cool thing is is that you have guys like Debrinkat, you have guys like Claude Giroux, and they're about, they're even, they, they're potentially better than um, the wingers that you have, or they're, you know, equal to it, um, and that's like the cool thing of just adding those two guys to your top six, um, so you can just like mix and match, basically. Um, on another note, before we wrap up and close the book on the sense, I mean, interested to see what Matthew Joseph does because he yeah. had 12 points in 11 games last year and the limited ice time that he played. Obviously with the Drew and Batherson and Debrinka, yeah. Kachuk, Norris, Stutzla solidifying their top six. Um, outside of injury, the most that uh, Matthew Joseph can be is a contributor on the third line. 
but they need a solid third line to contribute. They have Shane Pinto, who has looked good in the rookie showcase in a game against Boston, your Bruins spread. He did score two goals a couple of nights ago, which is good to see. I like them bringing in Tyler Mott. He's, I think, a good, solid addition to their penalty kill. Bit of offensive pop as well. Uh, and it should also be noted that uh, Pierre Dorian, uh, when he signed Tim Stutzla, when asked about PTOs, professional tryouts, and who would be willing to give him to, uh, he said uh, something to the tune of, if we give someone a professional tryout, we are going to give them a legitimate chance to make our roster. And there are two guys they have brought in on PTOs, Brett. I don't know if you've noticed this, but uh, former top five pick Michael Del Cole uh, of the New York Islanders, he is on a PTO with the Ottawa Senators. Uh, heading into his draft year, uh, solid, solid numbers with the Oshawa Generals. Unfortunately, hasn't really been able to uh, show glimpses of that in the AHL or the NHL that often enough, which is why he's easier when he's here. But if he turns into something, that's good for Ottawa. And also, yeah, remember that guy that Ottawa traded for Mika's Banjad, Derek Broussard? He is the other guy on the PTO. Oh, like it, like it, uh, so maybe if everything goes according to plan, we can get to Banjad back. Uh, I'm just kidding. We, we can't. There's no chance that happens. Yeah, but uh, it, you know, it could be a case where Derek Broussard is a, a serviceable option for them. Um, if if they don't like what they see down the middle, I, I'd be open uh, to Broussard coming back if, if they think it's a good fit. Also, uh, speaking of good fits, uh, I would fully expect at some point this year for Pierre Dorian to really kick the tires on the top four blue liner that uh, Issei has been willing to get. It wouldn't shock me if he's still wearing the phones on that at the moment. Uh, But as the season starts uh, to get underway and we start to see what their defense looks like, um, I I expect him to work the phones for sure. Yeah. Um, Okay. Uh, we now go to Tampa here. Uh, they um, added Philip Myers, uh, Vlad Nemestikov, Hayden Fleury, and Ian Cole. Uh, they, uh, they lose Ryan McDonough, Andre Pilat, uh, John Ruta, and Riley Nash. Oh, and Frederick Clayson, I think is his first name. Yeah, Freddie Clayson, yeah. Um, this is a fun little like inside game that we're playing right now is trying to guess the first name of these guys that you have. Um, yeah, the, the the Lightning, like, didn't really add any guys. I guess that's a lot of that has to do with because they're just at the cap. Um, but they, you know, Ryan McDonough is going to hurt them. Andre Palat, who's, who was a decent uh, depth move for them um, for, for many years, is, uh, you know, is also gone. So that's also going to hurt um, but I, I don't know if it's going to be, like, so terrible for them um, that, like, it, it makes them not make the playoffs. Um, but, like, Ryan McDonough is a good shutdown guy, but who knows how long he has um, in the NHL so or, like, how good he can be in the future because he is kind of old. But, yeah, he, he kind of transitioned into being more of a shutdown defensive defenseman. So that, that can definitely help Nashville. But, yeah, Tampa loses him. Um, and, yeah, Andre Palat is, as I mentioned, he was, he's, like, he's usually good for, like, a 50-point guy. He's, he, if he's not injured, he's, he's pretty good. Um, as for um, a player to watch, I know that he's going to t- t- 
takes some time um, off out of the first season because he's injured currently. But I'm going to go with uh, Anthony Sorelli. Um, so uh, what was interesting, too, is when they were playing, I think it was the Rangers. Um, it was one of the one of the playoff series uh, that they played. But there Yeah, was it was a, the Rangers, yes. Yeah, yes you I know what I'm right. thinking of here. Uh, where... He, uh, he, there was a stat that was going around. I think I must have mentioned it if, if you were aware of it too. Yeah. Um, that, uh, the, when he was on the ice, uh, there was no goals allowed and also no goals that were scored. Um, and that just shows how good of a defense, uh, defensive forward this guy is. Um, like, yeah, obviously you do want, uh, t- to show some scoring. Uh, capabilities out of out of this guy, but like at the same time, if, like that's like a team that that every every guy want every team wants in the league is like someone who can just like a forward usually aren't as like defensively responsible. So when you add a guy like a defensive guy um, in the mix, um, or like it's basically like you have three defensemen. Um, on, on the ice um, instead of two, uh, so so that's that's like a game changer, um, especially there. Uh, not to mention the fact that he finished fifth in Selkie votes this past year, um, and yeah, the only thing I will say about Sorelli is like don't I like don't compare him to Patrice Bergeron just yet, just because he hasn't gotten the point totals up. Once he does, then he can be in the conversation of getting a Selkie vote. But, uh, but yeah, that's the other crazy thing, too, is that he's 25 years old right now. So it's like uh, he had 43 points in 76 games. That's not terrible, uh, considering the fact that, like, as I was mentioning, he's very good defensively. Um, so I am just curious to see if he can, like, pick this up and, and actually, like, become an offensive, like, more offensive, like we saw Philip Deneau being uh, last year or... A Patrice Bergeron or Barkov type situation, because uh, if they do, Tampa somehow like manages to get like they're they're incredible drafters basically. Uh, so um, so yeah, that, that I am curious to see if uh, if Sorelli can manage to just go another level than what we've already seen, and he's already at a pretty good level. Yeah, no, for sure he's going to be a key piece of uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning when he is finally healthy this year. There are so many players that you can mention. Yeah. Uh, part of the reason why Tampa was so good is because they had Corey Perry and Patrick Maroon having very good years as depth players. Moving forward, uh, Nick Paul with 14 points in 21 games. I'm interested to see what his actual numbers are going to be yeah. look like now that he's extended with the team. There's, of course, Ross Colton, Brandon Hagel, who... I, I still think he's a 50 to 60 point player. He's currently listed as a second line right winger. So if he gets that top six minutes, um, I fully expect him to hit that at some point within the next year or so. Um, you also have guys like, um, with depth guys uh, like Ian Ruda and uh, I wouldn't call him a depth guy, but Ryan McDonough, a key part of their defense gone, and Mikhail Sergachev making big money. This is where guys like Eric Chernak are going to be asked to really be workhorses, uh, really play the shutdown defensive role to a T. 
because Chernak is not that type of offensive defenseman. That's what you have Sergachev for. That's what you have Victor Hedman for. He's going to be expected to really uh, lay down the law and hold down the fort, make life easier for Andre Vasilevsky. So uh, Chernak is going to be asked to do a lot more this season and moving forward. Um, and he's got a new contract to reflect that as well. Um, but yeah, it's it, again, it's going to be one of those things where Tampa has to get it done by committee because the salary cap crunch um, continues to hit them hard. They lost Palat and McDonough, two key players, because of the salary cap. And once those three contracts kick in, I keep mentioning Sorelli, Sergachev, Cernak, all eight-year packs, all of them at hefty cap hits. In fact, Sergachev's cap hit is going to be higher than Victor Edmonds. That's how high his cap hit is going to be. It, it's not going to stop. You're going to need to rely on more of the youth movements, and they do have some pieces, which is good. Um, but but that's where you get the most out of those bargain contracts, and you're going to have to expect more of those bargain contracts. So that's why I say guys like Nick Paul, guys like um, I, I just mentioned Brandon Hagel, those guys are going to be asked to step up and deliver more because they need those bargain contracts uh, to really step up in a big way in order for them to continue this unprecedented success in team history that they've been experiencing of late. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, all right, uh, now we go to the Toronto Maple Leafs. They add Matt Murray. Uh, they also add Samsonov. I almost said Sergei Samsonov. Um, it's uh, Ilya Samsonov. He, he, switched, he switched positions. He's uh-huh. a goalie now at age 50 or something. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, I, I guess, yeah, if I wasn't a Bruins fan. That would be fan, a very Leafs thing, too. Their backup is a 50-year-old. <laughs> who's most known for being on, like, a rival team of theirs, too. Um, yeah, a part-time Zamboni driver <laughs> on a rival team. Yeah, exactly. Um, Not the one that works for them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he actually played for two rival teams, too. I think he, he, he didn't he play for Montreal towards his, the end of his career, I think so. I can't remember Samsonov as a member of the Hats. I do remember him in Boston, and there was a yeah. time where he was an Edmonton Oiler. Yeah, I do remember that. I do remember he yeah. went to Edmonton. I I believe he ended up going to Montreal, but, I, but I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll let check. Yeah, let me Google that real quick. Well, it's, it's fine. You might not be wrong. It's, it's all right. It's, <laughs> I guess it's not super important. But uh, anyways, they also add Cal Yarncock. Yeah, yeah, 06, 07, he played 63 games for Montreal. Confirmed. I knew it. I, oh, yeah. I, I guess I'm, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> kudos to me. Um, Cal Yarncock, uh, they also add Knack, um, or better known as Abe Kubel. AKA um, the guy that accidentally dropped the cup and left the big Right, net. and chipped it. Yeah, that's that's the main reason why uh, he wasn't. Hey, Stanley Cup champion, though. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Uh, you can't knock that. Adam Gadet, uh, Victor Matei, uh, Jordy Ben. Thanks for just adding Joe Ben, because I would have been confused there. Um, <laughs> I, and, noticed, I noticed they keep adding former Senators, and the Sens keep yeah. adding former Leafs. Like, yeah. Matt Murray... Victor Mete and, and Adam Goodet. That's yeah. three right there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jordy Ben, uh, Dennis Malgin, 
Or Denis Malgan, I think is actually. How yeah, Denis Malgan uh, spent some time in the KHL and had yeah. a very good season. So they're yeah. hoping it's an Evgeny Dadnov situation where the second stint is much better than the first. Right, right. Uh, then they lose uh, Jack Campbell, Peter Morazic, uh, Andre Cache, uh, Trevor Dermott? No, Travis. Travis Dermott. Ta- Travis Dermott, uh, Jason Spezza. Um, I guess that's another former senator there. Uh, yeah, he, uh, uh, it should be noted he's a part of their front office now. Yeah, so yeah, he hasn't left fair. the team, but he's not a player. Right, right. Yeah, that's yeah, a good retired. clarification there. He did retire. Yeah. Uh, Ilya Labushkin and Michael Amadoua. Michael Amadio. Michael Amadio. And then you have uh, Mike Hutchinson. Is that yeah? Mike right? Hutchinson is uh, in Vegas. I can't. I think he signed a contract with them. Yeah, yeah, he signed a contract. Uh, I just Vegas. didn't know if that's. But what he'll it... probably find a way uh, to Toronto for like the third or fourth time in his career. Well, that's fine. I just didn't know if that was his first name or not. I guess it is. Uh, <laughs> but um... now Michael Hutchinson is 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 the guy that never leaves. Yeah. He just always he just always finds his way back. Yeah. You just ship him to another city, and the next thing you know, a bus pops up like three months later, and he's back. Yeah. Uh, so, not like a huge splashes here and there. Like, they do add some, like, depth pieces in, I mean, of, of course, the Matt Murrayans, they, they, get, they get two new goalies. Uh, but uh, they also, like, you know, Yarncock, I didn't even realize that he's now in Toronto, um... Abe Kubel and Gadet are, are decent, like, fourth-line guys for them. So that that's not too bad. Didn't cost much either to yeah. get those guys, too. That's the best part. Yeah, I am, I'm I'm curious about Toronto in terms of, like, what, what their goalie situation is going to be because, like, I think I would, like, I know Peter Morazic wasn't good, but Jack Campbell was pretty good. So I am curious to see if, like, Matt Murray or Samsonov can either live up to what, like, can bounce back because we know what they are capable of from past years. Uh, not last year, but, you know, <laughs> a few years before. Or, like, and and if they do, will they be as good as Jack Campbell could be in Edmonton? I guess uh, Jack Campbell could struggle <laughs> in Edmonton, too. That's not a guarantee either. But, um, but yeah, that, that is the most... Uh, thing that is the most interesting thing about this Toronto team is like, will Matt Murray work? Will Ilya Samsonov work? Anyway. Yeah, I should also mention Ilya McKayev. They lost him to Vancouver. Oh, yeah, that was a, a good name one. I forgot to add. But, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I should Even have. Have I, yeah. Damn you for <laughs> for not including that. No, I thought I, I had everyone. Yeah, exactly. Clearly not. Yeah. But I had most. Of you them. get an yeah. F for for that. Um, I get, I get, I get a B plus. Uh, yeah. Good effort. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, anyway, so what are your thoughts on Toronto, and who is your player to watch? Um, my thoughts on Toronto, it's basically the exact same thing. They're going to rely on their top six boards plus Michael Bunting. Um, they need to hope that their goaltending holds. They need to hope that uh, Morgan Riley and Jake Muzzin uh, continue to play good team defense and um, hope everything else falls into place and maybe win a playoff series. But um, obviously the common goal that every guy in that locker room wants is the Stanley Cup. And it's something that the franchise has been yearning for for some time. Also a game seven win, that would be fun. Um, 
if I had to pick a player to watch for all those reasons, it would be Matt Murray. Yep. Largely because while he has struggled, there have been glimpses, as I mentioned in Ottawa, where he has looked like the old Matt Murray. I think the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, obviously because he's a former member of the Sioux Greyhounds and Kyle Dubas knows a lot about this guy. He knows how to get the best out of Matt Murray. He's very confident that Matt Murray can be a 31 goaltender during the regular season. And I think he's going to show that this year. I really do. But above all else, they need him to be playoff Matt Murray. I won two Stanley Cups and I can do this type of Matt Murray. And that's something that no matter what Ilya Samsonov's numbers are look like in the regular season, how many wins he gets... Um, his goals against average and save percentage leaves a little bit to be desired. Mind you, so has Matt Murray's in the past couple of years. But Samsonov was on much better teams during that stretch. And even still, his numbers weren't that great. And in the playoffs, he hasn't really proven much either. Matt Murray has won two Stanley Cups, as I said. And he's been a key, key contributor in, the, in each of those Stanley Cups at some point or another. He has been the guy for the Penguins in 2016 and 2017. And in order for that to change, in order for Toronto's fortunes to change, in order for them to win a Stanley Cup, they need a proven goaltender that can get them wins in those big games when it matters. And I hope Matt Murray can do it. I think he's capable for sure, um, but he hasn't proven it to us in a while. And uh, a lot of pressure is going to be expected out of him in Toronto. A lot more pressure than what he faced uh, in Ottawa or even in Pittsburgh. Um, so I, I think at the same time he's going to be up to the task. But if he's not, well, then it's going to be another season of, okay, well, how do we make the cap hit work? How can we keep most of the score together? And will it be enough to do anything when it matters uh, next year? So um, a yep. lot of this, rightly or wrongly, hinges on how good Matt Murray is. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, in terms of like other storylines with this team, I am curious to see if Austin Matthews can be even better than what we saw of him. He, he gets 60 goals in 73 games last year, uh, so he does do it. Um, but like, can he, can he be a gold per game player? Um, is that possible? He's not like, t like, Technically, he's he's 25 now, and that's like he is just reaching his prime. Technically, if you look at all the like future stuff, so it's like I am curious to see if like he can even be even better than what we've seen of him last year. Which, if he is, then that's incredible. Um, so I am I am curious to see if he can get even like 70 goals or like he didn't even play a full season. Uh, it was just 73 games. So it's like how good he got 60 goals in 73 games. How could he, like, hopefully he does play 82 games. Like, how good can he actually be? Um, so I am kind of curious to see how he does uh, from, that, the, from that angle. The, the other thing that I think has also failed Toronto in the past um, is, is obviously the scoring outside of the usual suspects. Yeah. Like Morgan Riley, John Tavares, William Nylander, Mitch Marner, of course, Mr. 60-goal guy Austin Matthews. Um, and even if Austin Matthews scores 100 goals this season, which would be freaking epic, and no one's done that before, um, at, the, at the end of the day, you still need goal scoring from other players. 
And you know what? The good news is for the Toronto Maple Leafs, they got 21 goals from McKayev last year. They got 15 from Pierre Engvall. Uh, they had 14 goals from Andre Kasha, who's no longer with the team. They had 11 goals from David Kampf. The one thing that I would like to see more of Toronto is their defensive depth starting to shine offensively. And the main guy I'm looking at is Rasmus Sandin, who's yeah. currently an unsigned RFA and should be noted. Yeah. If he is able to elevate his game, all of a sudden you've got Jake Muzzin, you've got TJ Brody, you've got Morgan Riley and Rasmus Sandin starting to find his stride. That could do wonders for the Leafs too, is if Rasmus Sandin just goes off. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't even realize that Sandine is still an RFA. I thought he signed for some reason. Um, yeah, there are eight. There are eight remaining unsigned RFAs. Uh, Jason Robertson being one of them. And oddly enough, four of the eight unsigned RFAs are property of uh, Canadian NHL markets. Interesting. There's uh, Ryan McLeod in Edmonton, Rasmus Sandine in Toronto, Alex Formanson in Ottawa, and Adam Rajewska in Calgary. Interesting. Okay. A fun fact. Um, yeah, fun fact. Maybe it's the Canadian dollar. They're just yeah, like, maybe. Maybe. No, that's definitely possible. Um, <laughs> it could be a money management thing. Exactly. Um, okay, so now we get to the pl- like our top three picks. These are guys who are, are these are teams, not guys. Uh, teams that are guaranteed to make the playoffs will do wild cards next week when we cover the Metro, because then yes. we'll cover all the Eastern Conference stuff. Also, we're going to do the award show uh, probably after we get done with the um, our award show. Yeah, I think once once we're in the first week of the regular season, when yeah. basically nothing is really translated to classify as a topic we need to talk about probably week one of the regular season that'll be our topic is we just submit our predictions who wins what awards which player yeah. you'll be keeping track of the most throughout the year yada, yeah yada, yada. yeah we've been doing this for seven years now so you guys should be aware of our, our routine yeah you should, <laughs> you should kind of know the formula yeah, or basically. at least some parts of it yeah no, exactly there, there are some feature ideas that we exactly keep um all right, so I'll, I'll go first in my top three. I think I, I have Florida first. Um, I think, um, yeah, I know that, like, you know, the Huberdeau they're going to miss, and Uyghur they're probably going to miss too. But, you know, I think they, they did enough in the offseason to, to counteract that. Um, Uyghur actually might be a big loss for them if they are going, like, in, who knows if Obrovsky is going to be good. Um uh, like you know, for consistently good like uh, we expect him to be, but um, but yeah, I think Florida's just really like uh, the the question mark is is like how good are how are how far are they going to make the play in the playoffs? Not necessarily if they're going to be uh, what what place they make is just how like they're just going to be prepared for the playoffs basically. Um, my second team is Tampa. Um, and my third team is Toronto. The reason why I put Tampa ahead of Toronto is just that I'm uncertain of Matt Murray as a goaltender uh, to the point where I wouldn't even be shocked if Toronto doesn't even make the playoffs. Um, just because, like, if Matt Murray is what, like, he was in Ottawa, um, and same with uh, Ilya Samsonov, yeah, this could be really brutal for Toronto. 
Um, and Tampa, this is going to sound like a super hot take, but if the Leafs make miss the playoffs entirely, one thousand percent Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas are gone. Oh yeah, for for certain. Um, and um, oh, I thought you were going to say like I could take it one step further, even like I I think um, I think uh, Nylander and Tavares are like one of those two are traded. Um, Ooh, yeah, that would be spicy. Um. But yeah, so that that's the main reason why I do it. Like even if Matt Murray is decent, um, I I still think that Tampa is the safer choice to go ahead of Toronto, um, just because like Vasilevsky is a brick wall basically. So um, so yeah, those are my three picks. Yeah, um, it should be noted that. At 122 points and 58 wins, Florida was first, and they clinched the President's Trophy, which, as usual, means absolutely nothing. Uh, Boston, ranked fourth in the Atlantic Division, had 107 points. So that is a 15-point gap. I think it's going to be like a 12-point gap between first and fifth. I think the race is going to be much, much tighter in the Atlantic than it was. And it should be noted that fifth place Buffalo had 75 points. Yeah. So there is a big, big drop off between fourth seed of Boston and fifth seed of Buffalo. Yeah. Detroit was 74 and Ottawa was 73. And then the Habs, of course, smack dab right at the bottom with 55. Um, so I, I still think um, ultimately the Habs are going to be at the bottom. That's for certain. But the top three is relatively unchanged from my picks last year. Um, I'm going to say Florida barely gets first. I think they have the depth pieces. I think Colin White and Rudolph Bolsters, all the depth guys that they brought in, I think they're going to have maybe not as much success, but close to the amount of success as guys like Mason Marchment had and Gustav Forsling and Brandon Montour had. Um, they, they, they have the talent to make do with whatever they put on the ice. To the point where they brought in Joe Thornton and you look at his NHL resume and what he's done over the course of his career, he was probably the most irrelevant forward on the Panthers last year. And this yeah. is freaking Jumbo Thornton we're talking about. So that that just goes to show you how loaded that team was. Um, but I, I think uh, Tampa and Toronto are going to make it close and they'll be fighting tooth and nail to secure that spot uh, right down to the final week of the season. It's not going to be... Uh, as lopsided as it was last year. I would say, you're right, Brett, I would have Tampa Bay over Toronto just because Andre frickin' Vasilevsky. Like, in those tight 2-1, to 3-2 to two games, he doesn't give you another goal. He just yeah. finds a way to shut you down, and you know what? If he's really bored, he'll just shut you out completely. Yeah. <laughs> in elimination games especially. And then, I mean, Toronto's got the firepower. They'll be a top-three team, no question. Yeah. But... Uh, I do think at times in the season there are going to be some growing pains. The Leafs fan base will think the sky is on fire. Like, uh, once every year, like they usually do, there was that Pittsburgh game early in the season where everyone was losing their marbles. And then the Leafs got it together, and they really couldn't be stopped outside of the bottom feeders of the league. And they showed a lot of character in those games. I think they will show more of that, but it's not going to be enough to be above Tampa and Florida. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I all of those teams are gonna get a hundred plus points, but in order I'd go Florida, Tampa, and Toronto, just like you said. 
Yeah, okay. I guess we are on the same wavelength, but yeah, that's interesting. I guess you, you didn't I, go... I will, I, will say, I will say I can see a scenario where one of Detroit or Ottawa passes Boston for fourth. I thought you were going to... a reality where one of those two teams takes fourth. I thought you were going to go even hotter that you think that Ottawa, Detroit, or Boston are going to usurp, are going to get the third spot. But, yeah. Um. No, not a chance. <laughs> They're not that good yet. Yeah. Maybe next year or the year after yeah. that, but not this year. No. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like... Um, I feel like Buffalo is also like a team to watch in this division as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, I could. Um, there, there is like, I could see a scenario. That's gonna be a pain in the butt to play against for sure. Yeah, yeah. I could see a scenario where Matt Murray isn't is who we thought he was. Elias uh, Samsonov is who we thought he was, and then that forces Toronto to plummet, and then um, and then insert one of those three teams. Um, into that third spot, but I'm I'm not bold enough to actually the, do that. The the one thing, the bold prediction I will say about Matt Murray is if he struggle and he can't win in Toronto, I think at least temporarily his days as a number one starter oh, yeah. in the NHL are done. Oh yeah, temporarily at best. Like uh, if you if you can't get results in Toronto with a defense like that in front of you with guys who know your strengths and weaknesses yeah. and and put up or shut up time, it still doesn't matter and you're still not getting the wins. Yeah. That that could be that could be curtains for Matt Murray's career as a starter. Yeah. I, I feel bad for him because I, I do think that he still had you know, he is he does deserve another shot in this league, but this is the yeah. worst No, hundred percent. This is the worst team that you can do that for because <laughs> uh, if yeah. you even struggle <laughs> even if you struggle a little bit that's gonna shatter his confidence and so i i just fear that that's gonna happen but you know i i hope that that's not the case but um but yeah. it's, no, it's I, definitely I'm, I'm rooting for murray to have a great year yeah I really yeah. Am. yeah um what would be even funnier is if let's say jack campbell like is a top three Vezina finalist and and Peter Morazic is like hot like he is in Chicago so it is tough to really say anything about that but I'm, I'm not gonna say he's gonna also be in the Vezina but it could be like Freddie Anderson Jack Campbell as a Vezina guy and Morazic bounces back and then you have like Murray and Samsonov like not not doing so hot um, it would be really funny if all the all the the leaf scullies that uh, they gave up on uh, just turns out to actually be pretty good. Um, yeah, uh, that would be kind. Of, it would be kind of funny, even though I am, you know, it, it is weird. I have a I I don't actually hate Toronto, but at the same time, it is like it would be funny if they if they continue to stink, even though they have the best American. Uh, NHL player uh, right now, so um, yeah, I, I just I just hate to see teams waste good talent. Oh, yeah, but yeah. At the same time, it's also pretty yeah. funny. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, yeah. I just know at the end of the day when it really matters in the sense are going yeah, yeah, the Leafs are just going to be in their way and they'll keep beating them. Oh yeah, 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 that's definitely possible. Um, 
Yeah. The uh, yeah, I I guess the 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 pre two thousand four Red Sox fan in me still still like believes in the the Maple Leafs, even though I know the Bruins are a big monster for this Maple Leafs team. Um, in the past, well, that was the le- that was the last year the Leafs won a playoff series, and that was against Ottawa. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in Ottawa, but like the Bruins have been preventing or were like, the cause of three of those times uh, why they yeah. can't get past. No, the literally, what's yeah. happening to the Leafs against Boston? I've said it multiple times in the podcast. Yeah. Is basically, I would assume karma for what they did to Ottawa. In oh the yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, like, exactly. No matter what you could ice, what no matter what product you iced out there, it doesn't matter. The team was going to lose. Yeah, exactly. Didn't uh, matter who was the coach. Didn't matter who was in net. Didn't matter who your forwards or your defense were. You're done. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, that about does it here. It's actually kind of a quick episode compared to yeah. usual previews that we do, but um, that's okay. We'll we'll leave it at that. Um. Yeah, you can uh, follow us on Twitter at Laysem Podcast, um, and then you can follow us on Facebook at Laysem Up, our um, iTunes, Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Um, wherever else you get your podcast, Pocket Cast, um, that's a good one. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, uh, you can. Uh, or yeah, you can do whatever. I don't know where I'm going here. Um, I'm Brett Duboff. Give us five stars, I guess. Yeah, give us five stars. Why not? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth, and we'll talk again in episode 335 of the Lazy Mill Podcast.